Welcome back, guys, to The Last Choice on the Left, a horror podcast from The Last Choice Network. I'm Chris. And I'm Natalie. And tonight we are returning to Woodsboro for Scream 4. Well, guys, we're almost there. Only two more left to go. So, as you know, Scream 4 uh, sat in development for 10 years uh, between the time Scream 3 came out and the time Scream 4 came out. Um, And a lot had changed in the world of horror. Um, So, of course, Scream being the meta franchise that it is also had to change what they were focusing on. Mm -hmm. Um, This time, instead of the usual tropes of horror movies and sequels, we started really getting into uh, reboot tropes because reboots were the thing to go. And even though this wasn't technically a reboot. No, this is a remake. This is a remake. Well, I was going to (laughs) say, because in the next movie, we're going to start talking about the requel sensation. We're not quite there yet either. And it's, it's a little bit of a, what would, what will become a requel because it is a soft reboot of the story, but it is still very much a direct sequel to the last movie. Yeah. Um, I love this movie. Um, I know it is the worst performing at the box office of the entire franchise. Uh, not quite sure how it ranks in terms of stuff like Rotten Tomatoes because honestly, they don't give a shit about that kind of stuff because critics are usually wrong and I tend to like stuff that most people don't. Um, but it is definitely. Poor critics. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, what, okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Please go on because. No, I, I just think that, um, that, that horror as a genre, there's a lot that can happen. And um and it's so expansive that um that it it, it you can't call it one thing, I guess. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just I, I think sometimes critics expect something different when it comes to horror. It's like something more maybe, I don't know. Any yeah. <laughs> Well, and I also feel, taking the little side note on Critics of Horror, I feel like you have some truly great performances from people in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And it's completely disregarded because of the genre. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and and yes, there are plenty of garbage horror movies. But there are plenty of garbage comedies and rom-coms and Mm -hmm. superhero like you find crap in every genre i just think horror gets shit upon because people still look at it i think from what it was in the 80s which was pretty much it was slashers yeah well it was slashers and tits and ass and that's what horror Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. um and we'll get to what horror has become next week um Mm -hmm. but i do think that yeah, horror gets a very unfair rap with critics who I don't even think critics 
like horror movies to begin with. Um, so I just think it's an unfair, an unfair and uphill battle they have to face, even when you have a truly good movie. Um, and now back to Scream 4. Um, we'll talk about the opening scene here. I hate it. It was too much. <laughs> it was too much. It was, I was, I got so lost. Like, it was too much. I, and I like, just, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it was just that, like, it, it got to a point where I was like, okay, like, let's wrap it up, guys. Come on. Like, you know, because the, the other ones, the other openings, they're, like, so good and so iconic because there's mystery, there's suspense. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is just, it's a gag reel. This is just a gag reel, and I'm just waiting for it to end. Well, yeah, it was literally showing us, I mean, I, I kind of get it because it's showing us that horror movie franchises need to end at some point because, like, I don't think, I think it starts off with the two, the first opening sequence starts off with them sitting down to watch Stab 6. We don't even see anything about Stabs 3, 4, and 5. Yeah. We just jump into Stab Mm 6. And then that turns out to be a fake out. And then it's like, oh, it's two other, you know, typical horror movie characters watching stab six but then that turns out to be a fake out because now we're watching stab stuff like mm-hmm. it gets to the real opening which is them watching stabs and i'm just like ah, huh like can somebody just really like and then when these two die i'm waiting for that to be a fake out like when it didn't jump to say like, oh the movie's finally started so again i know i said i love scream forward I hate that opening sequence. Like, yeah, just... it because I I agree. I actually really enjoyed Scream Four as well, um, but that that was too much. Yeah, I was just like, it's like I got to go. Oh, look, there's Kristen Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all like, <laughs> and, and and she was unexpected. I will give her that. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was unexpected. I, it I yeah. was definitely unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I I I am glad they moved on from killing off a previous survivor in the opening scene. Like, okay, we brought in you know real. I'm not saying real actors like Liam Shriver's not a real actor, but they brought in. They went back to basics of having popular actors at the time come in to be killed off at the very beginning. So I am glad they got back to that, but. God damn, that was painful to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that made me love this movie, um, which is surprising because when I mentioned this person's name, most people like will hiss at me. I fell in love with this movie because of Kirby. I loved Eden Pan- Panettiere. I'm going to fuck up saying her name this whole time. Okay, um, yeah. I love Kirby. And I loved Kirby. The moment I fell in love with Kirby is when they're in the scene. They don't know their friends are dead yet. They're driving to school. Um, and the killer calls and asks her what's her favorite scary movie. And she says, Bambi. And I'm like, I love you. 
Like I was sold <laughs> on that. I was sold on that character right then and there. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm rooting for you. Yes. I also really like Kirby. And I liked um well I like Emma Roberts. Mm-hmm. I am a fan of Emma Roberts and her horror work uh, on American Horror Story. <laughs> so I was like also instantly sold whenever I saw Emma. It's also although I will say that um I guess like her Emma Roberts character being the killer that did kind of make it a little predictable just because I know the type of character that she plays like in American Horror Story but it was still very fun to watch her (laughs) you know I I also loved Emma Roberts I loved Jill I think she's a great character um and again I really liked I really liked the core group of this group where you had Kirby, you had Jill, you had Charlie, and you had Trevor. I liked, again, it felt like we connected with the friend group, like, from Mm -hmm. the first two movies. Again, I I was glad that, as much as I enjoyed Scream 3, I'm glad that Scream 4, again, talking about being a soft reboot, but went back to the basics of giving us believable characters and enough development where you could actually root for or against them mm-hmm. and you weren't looking at them as just like god i can't wait for the killer to come kill you because you're annoying i want to spend more time with this group i want to know more about this group mm-hmm. um what i do like about um this movie is it still keeps it in the family connection of sydney yes um but it's no longer focused on more Preston. Now, you know, Sydney and Jill are cousins. Um, Jill's mother is Sydney's aunt, is Maureen's sister. Um, so you still have that mother connection there, but it wasn't specifically about yeah. Maureen. And I was very happy that after 10 years, we can finally, finally stop writing the dead mother trope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do appreciate that they did still keep it uh, a family connection to Sydney. I think that does really help yeah. with her character story and development. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of uh, Gail and Dewey's relationship in the movie and where they're at in life? I, it was a little surprising, <laughs> but, but after it, it was like, it's surprising at first, but then after they like talked about it more, mm-hmm. it definitely made sense. Like that, I mean, they want, they wanted different things. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is they wanted different things, right? Like Gail was always chasing a story and Dewey was very much a homebody. I mean, you know, very mm-hmm. Or did his best to be a low, I mean, he was a low-key guy, and then Gail was a very high-key guy, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, in terms of that, I mean, I feel like, it feels like we're always rooting for Gail and Dewey. Like, where it felt, felt like we were supposed to be, like, rooting for Gail and Dewey to, like, be together, like, kind of throughout the first three movies. But then, with the, I mean, and obviously at the end of the third one, right? We're like, oh, they, they're together, uh, right? 
but I think the fourth one really kind of allows us to like look at how um how accurate that is or how like how how would that actually work I guess you know yeah and I I think it's a good way of showing how two people who come from two different worlds um that clearly do love each other yes but it's a struggle um mm -hmm. you know do we I think was always born to be a Woodsboro native and never leave Woodsboro. Mm -hmm. And Gail, you know, especially with, I think, Scream 4, what I loved about Scream 4 is it really humanized Gail. I think through the first three movies, you only really see her as this um, fame-seeking reporter. Reporter, yeah. Who is always going to put her career first. Mm -hmm. And finally in Scream 4, she realizes, you know, again, after almost being killed for the third time, that she has found love with someone and maybe her career isn't the most important thing, but she struggles with it. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to Deputy Judy. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I think one of my favorite scenes uh two two of my favorite scenes feature Gail, but the first one is definitely um when she finds out the murders have started again and she goes to dewey's office and judy won't let him in um and she leaves the station saying your lemon squares taste like ass yeah. because judy's always baking dewey these lemon squares yeah um and my first thought was, you know, well, no offense to ass, um, but I love how she focuses all of her, I think, frustrations of being a small town wife out on what she perceives as a threat yeah. to her marriage an, an, an insult even like <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> but i think she knows that her relationship is is rocky because she's not happy being a small town you know she's given up the she's still writing but she's given up her career for the most part yeah. and she's struggling with it and i think that you know judy is really set up to be gail's outlet to let out her frustration. Um, the other scene I love with Gail is when Rebecca, who is Sydney's publicist, sees her coming out of the police station and goes to talk to her. And um, I wish I had written down the quote, but she goes to talk to her and about how she never thought that her and Dewey would make it because it was such like a movie romance because of watching the stab movies you know not paying attention to the fact that these are actually real people mm -hmm. and um she finally says something along the lines of you know her throwing her career away and her being a has-been or something along those lines and gail just whips around on her and just tears her a new one yes i do and that. and rebecca is shocked and then when gail turns around she just says she's like 
I still got it and just walks away. And I'm like, <laughs> there's the gal we know and love. Yep. But I do, I really feel that even though Sydney, unlike Scream 3, when, when even Sydney's not in the movie that much and she's in much more of Scream 4, I really feel like Scream 4 was Gail's movie almost as much as it was Sydney's movie. Because, like I said, I think Gail, you see a whole other side to her that you that was missing from the first two movies. Um, another thing I like that was pulling a call back to um, Scream 2 is, uh, again, after the murders have started, Dewey and Sydney are having a conversation, and Dewey quotes Sydney's book back to her, talking about, and it's something about being positive and overcoming adversity, and he quotes it back to her, and then he's able to give her even the page number that the quote appears on. And again, it calls back to Scream 2 when he's reciting Gail's insults about the Barney Fife-esque deputy in Woodsboro. He can quote page <laughs> numbers to Gail yep. the quote came from. So I just, again, I like the fact that they reconnected it back to the original movies without being super obvious about it. Yeah. Um, what did you think about um, the setup with like the movie club and Charlie walking around with his headset constantly live streaming everything? And- yeah. Um, so, what like you said, we're we're in the 2010s now, right? So yeah, internet culture getting huge. You know, and I think that it's, um, I think it's really cool. I think what I really also liked about, and, and you mentioned this too, which is how it kind of like goes back to basics. Like it goes mm-hmm. back to, and part of that is, is using kids. I don't know. It's like using teens, you know, because mm-hmm. for the last two movies, we have been following um, adults. I mean, or college to, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I do think that like, there is something very like um there in in horror i think there's something very romanticized about the you know the teen slasher right so mm-hmm. that it's just like it's so popular it's so memorable and um it's just fun i don't so like and it also is like a cool you can call it like a cool look at what what the teens are into in that day and age right so in this case what you're into is the the internet fame right which is still really big today um but i do think that it's cool that um because it all just goes back to like um wanting to like be known and that that was it in like the in all of the screen movies i mean or yeah you know like they all it's like they want some form of recognition or they want to like blame the media but still like get recognized and all this like messy stuff, right? But I like love that. I don't remember which character like said this, but they were just like, "Yeah, we we all live in public," and like to me, that's um that is scary. Mm-hmm. I'll admit it. That's why I I honestly like I made that joke about like don't find me 
because sometimes I don't want to be found. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I am being a, I, I put myself, you know, in this public space of the internet. Um, and and kids think it's a really easy way to get famous. You know, like the internet is a really easy way to get famous. Um, and yeah, uh, the teens are still scary. It goes back to it. The the monsters mm-hmm. adolescence. The the teens are still scary. Still don't know what they will do. <laughs> well, and it it kind of humors me. I I again I love the fact that Charlie is walking around live streaming his entire life, basically. Um, And again, this movie came out in 2010, and you look at where we are today, when you have people, you know, not even, like, now we're at the point now where everyone's on TikTok doing 30-second videos of themselves, Mm -hmm. and millions of people are watching these, and it's just... Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson... 12 years ago where I was able to look at this and see this is what we're heading to, mm-hmm. you know, because you didn't see that kind of thing really on the internet. I mean, it was just starting in 2010. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the other thing that kind of cracks me up about it, and we'll talk more about it when we get to the Halloween franchise is one of the big complaints about Halloween resurrection Part of that movie is um, this group of young adults or college students are spending the night in Michael Myers' house to, you know, discover why he became the monster he became. And it's a horror movie, so they all end up pretty much dead. But they're all walking around broadcasting. It's for a thing called Dangertainment. It's a real movie came out in 2001, I think. Um, and it was cashing in on the live, on the reality, the beginning of reality TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie was trashed for using that because a lot of the movie is you watching what the actors are recording. It's not, it's more that type of footage no, versus a traditional, yes, yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. so it's more, it's almost more of a found footage type thing than a mm-hmm. regular movie. And the movie was just trashed for that in 2001 and then i it just cracks me up that we get to 2010 and no not the whole movie is not told that way but you have this character that's doing the same thing and then everyone's like oh they were you know visionaries and saw this coming and it's like but rick rosenthal saw this shit 10 years before that and y'all thought it was mm-hmm. garbage so it's just yeah how attitudes towards that change mm-hmm. and how 21 years ago 21 years ago, we had no idea what the internet was going to be and what people were going to do to become famous on the internet and how internet culture really is allows any old asshole to become famous for something stupid. Um, And then you have a whole audience that tries to recreate that to get on that bandwagon because they're searching for fame too. There's my rant, kids, for why you shouldn't play on the internet. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, I do. That's why I. That's why I say I think it's. Um, I think there are. I mean, there's a couple of other like you know, uh, like uh, other pieces of media that I mean they still do this like in a sense like oh these I mean everybody 
to be fair, I mean, what American Horror Story or American Horror Stories, it's like a different whatever mm-hmm. thing. Um, had a, an episode about like uh, people in their 30s who are so like, like they have built up their lives being these like crazy, stupid internet personalities, but now they're like in their 30s. Like, what are they, like, how do they keep upping, like, you know, re upping themselves? And it's, it, you know, it obviously it like escalates to them doing something. Not horrible okay. yeah because horrible. it's american or it's american horror stories yeah. it, it escalates to them doing something horrible and it is a complete um call out to another youtuber who did something horrible and got a lot of backlash for it but um it's it's real you know people think that in the moment i think people think it's okay you know because mm-hmm. they're just like oh people are gonna click on it and that's all that matters is that if it's if it's good or if it's bad, people are going to talk about it. And it's like another part of it is, you know, as the internet, it's going to be around for like ever. Yes. You just don't think about that and breaks my heart a little bit, but. <laughs> no, it's true. The inter- once it hits, once it hits the interwebs, it will never go away. Mm-hmm. So, and you have to remember at some point, somebody, you're, either going to be looking for a run-up job or <laughs> trying to get anything in this world and people are going to be able to research you and find the stupid shit you did mm-hmm. when you were a teenager or in your 20s or in your 30s trying to stay on stay ahead of the people who are now in their 20s trying to take your place like it lives on forever it's I've only seen a couple incidents in real life where people have been able to get stuff um, that was posted online without their consent actually has pretty it's been pretty much scrubbed. Mm-hmm. So it's not that easy. Like if something, and again, even if it's something you've put out yourself or just anything that you capture on your phone that you know, somebody may hack or you may send it to a friend and that relationship ends and your friend decides to fuck you. Once it hits the internet, it's there forever. So mm-hmm. um, I think that that is also something that, especially with these killers in this movie, we're really hoping for because they want, they want that fame. And, yeah and and i know that even whenever kirby like tries to reason it's like it's not gonna last Mm -hmm. and she was like no there'll be a movie there'll be a book deal there'll be an interview like it's Mm -hmm. it's gonna be dragged and by by the time it's by the time it's all done uh i'll be rich Mm -hmm. and that's i mean that's true both with internet with reality tv i mean like that stuff keeps following up you know (laughs) Yes, it does. Um, what else? The so I this. That... Oh, <laughs> I was going to say this movie was the first movie where we didn't have any rules to deal with traditional rules. Mm-hmm. One rule we did have in the movie is the rule about movie cops and how they're useless and incompetent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> accurate 
<laughs> um, the two cops that are put out to protect. Oh my goodness, they're a riot. <laughs> no, they're hysterical, but. <laughs> Uh, no coordination you, at all, man. If you see these two out to protect you, you're going to die. <laughs> um, and one of them, we finally got hit upside the head with a sledgehammer in horror movie reference, because one of them is literally named Anthony Perkins. So, I mean, just hit me with that psycho <laughs> sledgehammer. <laughs> like, I know our audience is getting, you know, Younger, I mean, you know, younger people in 2010 have probably, if they've watched Psycho, it was probably the god awful remake in the 90s and not the original. I would have no idea who Anthony Perkins was, but give the rest of us a little bit of credit. You know, to just smack me upside the head with it. <laughs> so, but his death was one of my favorites. I mean, just to get stabbed in the forehead and then just have blood just. Pouring down your face, mm-hmm. and then to crack a joke right before you die. Like, that's a movie cop. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, and what I were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, I know you mentioned a little bit with like the whole. Well, I think it's cool how they celebrated like, like, uh, like cult media following. You know, mm-hmm. like where we have the these like underground watch parties right mm-hmm. and they're like they're like they're like cheer screenings and we're all gonna like dress up and you know um i feel like the only one that's super mainstream like that is like rocky horror right mm-hmm. like i mean you, you go you can go to the movie theater and kind of get that experience but it's cool that they are like kind of shining this light on like the like real like cult movie like clubs i guess mm-hmm. you know and how um, the fandom community um, among these people, how they how they grow, how they celebrate, you know, how they create and laugh. And I, just think, I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's something, I mean, you bring up Rocky Horror. And like for my 18th birthday, a bunch of us went and watched the Rocky Horror. And like the one, there's a theater in... Santa Monica, California, mm-hmm. um, that they've been playing Rocky Horror on Saturday nights for 40 years, 45 years. Um, and yeah, it was a blast, you know, watching, you know, people coming in, you have people dressed up as the characters and you have, you know, people acting out the movie in front of the screen, yeah. reenacting it. And you have parts where, you know, like when they're singing um, over at the Frankenstein place and people are shooting off water guns in the Mm -hmm. air. So it comes down as rain. And when Frankenfurter gets introduced, like they'll actually throw hot dogs at this. I mean, it's it's great. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I never think about, you know, the fact that it doesn't matter what the movie, there's probably some group out there. You know, it could be something like the stab films and this, or it mm-hmm. could be, you know, something as bonkers as like Howard the Duck. Who knows? But mm-hmm. you're going to find a group of somebodies who are going to worship the movie. Um, and one of the more interesting ones you talk about where they have these underground watch parties is um, 
there's a group who I don't know if they still do it or not, and it's only been found. They've never found the people who have participated in it, but they have found that there are a group of people who go and watch movies in the Paris catacombs. And they, in, <laughs> not in the part that the tourists go into either. It's like yes, yes. a part that is. It's vast. I mean, you can find, I've seen yeah. as above, so below. I know you can. Yeah. <laughs> I know I mean, you can get around get, down there. <laughs> and people get lost and die in there and are never found. Yeah. Um, but they have found where there was one part of it. They had it set up for a screening. And when, um, they notified the authorities and they went back to shut it down. Everything was gone with a note that just says, you know, you'll never find us. So I just mm-hmm. think it's like kind of creepy. Yet I kind of want to be invited to that party. Yeah, right? it's like fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree. I And I like the fact, especially in this movie that the town of Woodsboro has embraced. Yes. Um, what's happened in this franchise, you know, it makes me think of, um, I can never remember the actual name of the movie. But, uh, the town that fretted sundown or the town that feared Sundra. And uh, Texarkana, there's people in Texarkana who watch that movie, which is basically based on the Phantom Murders in the 40s that actually took place there. So it's, it's interesting to me about how a community, after a tragedy like that, and they're exploited like that, they kind of reclaim it. Mm-hmm. And make it their own. Yeah. So I, I thought that was an, just an interesting little uh, little take on the town of Woods, or at least the kids in the town of Woodsboro. Yeah. Um, trying to think of who else I want to talk about. Um, last character I'll bring up before we get towards building towards the end of the movie is the character of Trevor. Um, who is Jill's boyfriend who cheats on her. Um, and I think they did a really good job of setting him up to be, again, one of the red herrings in the movie because mm-hmm. you know he's an asshole. He's cheated on his girlfriend. He's kind of shady. Um But then you get to the end of the movie and she kind of just really fucks him up. <laughs> yeah, that's what she's here for. <laughs> um, so saying that, let's get into the talk of the reveal of the killers. Yes. I love... Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, so... I... So whenever it was like the little... I guess you could call it the fake reveal. Right. Mm-hmm. And... I remember it happening and I was like, oh, okay. And I I checked I checked the timestamp. And I'm like, we're like barely halfway through this movie. Like what what's left here? Something's not right. Like that's that was just me like checking in. So I actually found it really amusing. I I kind of like that there was a fake out in there because I think it kept me more engaged. Mm-hmm. Like um, or it kept me, I guess, maybe just kept me more surprised. Maybe I was more willing to be surprised after that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, for me, I was, the one that surprised me was 
and why I can't think of his name right now. Um, It'll come back to me, his actual name. Um, I'll just call him the boy killer for right now because my mind is completely blank. It was it not Charlie? It was Charlie, you're right. It was Charlie, right? Okay. Um, and then I can't remember his buddy's name that was live recording everything. Yeah, fuck it. Oh. Who cares? When Charlie stabs Kirby. Mm-hmm. That I... Did not see that one coming. Like that one did surprise me. Jill being a killer, she wasn't on my radar, but it didn't surprise me. Yeah, like I said, the only reason it's just because I like <laughs> I'm a fan of Emma Roberts. I'm like, <laughs> you're the killer. <laughs> like you don't even, you can't trick me. Now I almost got got whenever. Like I said, the fake out, and I was like, okay, maybe she isn't, but she totally was. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it it didn't surprise it didn't surprise me, um, but I also she wasn't on my radar as the killer. Yeah. But I have to say, outside of Billy and Stu, she's probably my favorite killer in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, because we go back to the whole wanting to be famous and seeing the life that Sydney has. So she wants that life, but she's going to do the evil things to be the victim. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I mean, again, we have, she pulls poor Trevor out of the, I don't know what it is with killers putting men in closets and then pulling them out for the big reveal. <laughs> um, but when she pulls Trevor out and then she shoots him in the dick and I'm like, can we just kill him now? Can he just yeah. kill him now? Because... <laughs> no, that he's not going to have to recover from that. Um, and then her, well, she didn't backstab him. She front stabbed him, but her backstabbing Charlie. Like, you know. Yeah, because there can only be one. Yeah, well. <laughs> the final goal for a reason. <laughs> exactly. But it, it's just, like, she was so good. Like, he even fell for it. Um, mm-hmm. And then that scene where she just, you know, thinking that Sydney is dead and throwing herself into the All night, around. in the wall, oh, jumping I'm... onto that coffee. T- uh, uh, like you work it, girl. You sell that shit. Like, <laughs> and then the way she perfectly matched Sydney's pose on the floor to be found by um, the cops and paramedics. Like, ah, uh, she was just she was. I loved it, but she was willing to do anything. She even killed her own mother. That's how yes. far she was going to get her fame. She was committed. Give her that. She certainly was. Yes. <laughs> so even though we've gotten off of the dead Marine issue, there these people still clearly have mommy issues and having to kill off mommy for some reason because damn. Um Rihanna, I love Jill as 
I just loved her character. Um, and I loved her reveal. Like, the, to me, her reveal, her reveal is the best reveal, which she did at the end of the movie was the best. But I love how you think that that's how the movie is going to end. But then it keeps going. But then it keeps going, yeah. <laughs> and we end up in the hospital. <laughs> the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could not believe that the movie kept going. I, I, a little bit. I was like, and then whenever they said that Sid was still alive, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I was like, oh man. I, I wrote down, damn, Sid just won't die. Like, nope. I, I was... Um, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, that, well, and I love... did all of that. Jilded all of that. Like she confessed. And, and Sid's still alive. She still has to go <laughs> kill her. <laughs> well, and I love, too, when Jill goes into her hospital room and she's like, who are you, Michael fucking Myers? Because, again... It's like, why won't you die? Yes, I know. Even I'm getting, even I was getting there like, oh my gosh, like. Die. <laughs> um, but I love her slip up and I love how it's Gail who realizes she's mm-hmm. the killer because she talks about having the matching stab wounds. Mm-hmm. And I love when Dewey tells her that and Gail's like, sometimes she goes, how does she know I was stabbed in the shoulder? And that's when Dewey's like, oh, shit, and oh, takes man. off. But again, mm-hmm. is pretty much useless because he gets knocked out with a right bad pan of all things. Mm-hmm. And we have to trust Deputy Judy to come save the day. <laughs> 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 and I love, too, when they finally killed, like, I, I love when Sydney pops up and she's they're setting up the heart paddles and She's asking Gil, you know, do you have any like last words? And she's like, ready. And she's like, ready. And then Sydney pops up behind her, ready, and just pops her in the ear with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love when Judy pops up from behind the bed, and you get that one last scream. And and Gil's like, you're still alive. Like she's kind of disappointed <laughs> that Judy that Judy yep. survived again. Still there. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I again. It'd been a long time since I watched Scream 4, but I just, I love that movie. I, to me, it's what a soft reboot of a franchise should be, where it brings back your central characters and introduces new characters. Mm-hmm. It continues a story, but it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll We'll talk more about that when we talk about Scream 5. But I appreciate the fact that Scream 4, even though we do go back to Woodsboro, is its own standalone story. It does. It feels very fresh and, yeah, and, and new. Yeah, and you can watch Scream 4 without ever having watched any of the other Scream Yeah. So that's, I think that's what we're saying. We'll talk about my feelings on it. I refuse to call it just Scream. So we'll talk about my feelings on Scream 5 when we talk about Scream 5. Yeah, it's 
Uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it discreet either. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when they're talking about they may actually call Scream 6 Scream 6, and I'm like, how do we go from 4 to 6 without, I mean, whatever. That's yeah. above my pay grade? I don't know. <laughs> Not a Hollywood insider. So do you have any final thoughts for us, Natalie, on Scream 4? Um, I don't think so. I think that um, I also really liked 4. I, to, me it was, to me, it was fun. It was engaging. Um, I love Emma Roberts. I do. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, and again, it's not a perfect movie by any means. We both, yeah. I think, agree that that opening... It's too much, yeah. Yeah. And there were a couple points where it's like, I thought this movie ended. Like, why are we still here? But (laughs) I will also say that I like how it doesn't. So when it ends, it does end. But yes, there's a a moment where you're like, oh, it's still going. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we will close it up for this week. And next week, we will finally, finally finish the screen franchise after a three plus month hiatus and be able to move on to something else. So until then, uh, again, this has been the last choice on the left, a horror podcast from the last choice network. We appreciate listening to us. I have been Chris. Oh, and I'm Natalie. And, uh, If you want to find our socials, you can search first, but good luck. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yes.